Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We closed last week's broadcast posing this question How do a man and woman become soulmates? The answer is found exactly where you might expect deep in the soul. Scientific research has backed up what common sense has been telling us for years, mainly that tending to the spiritual dimension of marriage is what unites couples in unbreakable bonds. Marriage thrives when its soul is nourished. On February 12, 1944, 13-year-old Anne Frank wrote the following words in her now-famous diary. The sun is shining. The sky is a deep blue. There's a lovely breeze, and I'm longing, so longing for everything, to talk, for freedom, for friends, to be alone. And I do so long to cry. I feel as if I'm going to burst, and I know that it would be better with crying, but I can't. I'm restless. I go from room to room, breathe through the crack of a closed window, feel my heart beating as if it's saying, Can't you satisfy my longing at last? I believe that it is spring within me. I feel that spring is awakening. I feel it in my whole body and soul. It is an effort to behave normally. I feel utterly confused. I don't know what to read, what to write, what to do. I only know that I am longing. There is in all of us, at the very center of our lives, a tension, an aching, a burning desire in the heart that is deep and insatiable. Most often it is a longing without a clear name or focus, an aching that cannot be clearly pinpointed or described. Like Anne Frank, we only know that we are restless, aching deep within our soul. The parrots tell us that most people expect marriage to quench their soulful longing, and it often does for a while. But for many, the deep, restless aching echoes again. Let's look in on one of the couples that the parrots have worked with. Ryan and Ashley are their names. They did everything they could to stack the odds in their favor for a strong marriage. They went through premarital counseling, adjusted faulty expectations, learned how to communicate effectively, practiced conflict resolution, and so on. They read books about marriage, they attended seminars, and even had an older couple that agreed to mentor them during their first married year. Ryan and Ashley took marriage seriously and their efforts were paying off, at least for the time being. They were now in their tenth year of marriage and, from all appearances, doing well. But in spite of all their effort, something was missing. We are very much in love, Ashley said, but sometimes it feels like we're just going through the motions. Yeah, said Ryan, we're definitely in love, but sometimes the relationship feels, well, I don't know, empty, I guess like there should be a deeper connection. In many respects, Ryan and Ashley were a model couple. They did all the things healthy couples do. They were psychologically astute, emotionally balanced, and kept their relationship in working order. But their hearts continued to be restless, longing for something more, something deeper. Ryan and Ashley, knowing it or not, were yearning to be soulmates. What Ryan and Ashley still needed to learn was that there's more to a thriving marriage than good communication, conflict resolution, and positive attitudes. 
While each of these tools is critically important for a lasting marriage and meaningful relationship, they are not sufficient. Marriage is not a machine that needs routine maintenance to keep it functioning, but a supernatural event founded upon a mutual exchange of holy pledges. Above all, marriage is a deep, mysterious, and unfathomable endeavor. Even happily married couples like Ryan and Ashley eventually discover an innate longing to bond with their lover, not just for comfort, not just for passion, but also for meaning. Our lives go on day after day. They may be successful or unsuccessful, full of pleasure or full of worry, but do they mean anything? Only our soul can answer. For married couples, spiritual meaning should be a shared pursuit. While every individual must come to an understanding of life's meaning alone, couples must also discover the meaning of their marriage together. You are not just husband and wife. You have given birth to a marriage that is very much like a living being born from you both. And especially for you newlyweds, the soul of your new marriage needs nourishment. Sharing life's ultimate meaning with another person is the spiritual call of soulmates, and every couple must answer that call or risk a stunted, underdeveloped marriage. Like yeast in a loaf of bread, Spirituality will ultimately determine whether your marriage rises successfully or falls disappointingly flat. Oh, you may stay married, but your marriage will not have the depth and unity that are part of God's design. The spiritual dimension of marriage is a practical source of food for marital growth and health. No single factor does more to cultivate oneness and a meaningful sense of purpose in marriage than a shared commitment to spiritual discovery. It is the ultimate hunger of our souls. The divorce statistics within the church say that we need more than just a commitment to spiritual growth and spiritual oneness in order to have successful marriages. The skills developed through mutual understanding, along with the commitment to spiritual growth and sharing life meaning, are the winning formula. Marriage, when it is healthy, has a mystical way of revealing God, a way of bringing a smiling peace to our restless hearts. When researchers examined the characteristics of happy couples who had been married for more than two decades, one of the most important qualities they found was faith in God and spiritual commitment. Shared faith in God provides couples with a shared sense of values, ideology, and purpose that bolsters their partnership. Marriage is closer to the nature of God than any other human experience. God uses the metaphor of marriage to describe relating to humanity. Isaiah 62.5 says, As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. God loves the church, the bride, says Paul, not as a group of people external to himself with whom he has entered into an agreement, but as his own body. And similarly, when a husband loves his wife and a wife her husband as extensions of themselves, they live as one flesh, as soulmates. Finally, through marriage, God also shows himself in two important ways. First, by revealing his faithfulness, and second, by revealing his forgiveness. What would marriage be like without faithfulness? What, what if the best we could ever get from our partner says, I'll try to be true, but don't count on it. Of course, marriage would never survive. 
We would go insane with uncertainty if we could not count on our mate's faithfulness. The livelihood of our relationship depends on the strength of our faithfulness, theirs, ours, and ultimately God's. God's faithfulness is essential to the survival of our marriages. Think about it. How can we, weak and limited persons that we are, look all the uncertainty of life full in the face and say, I will make one thing certain, my faithfulness to my partner? We can't, at least not on our own. What comes to mind in your own relationship when I say faithfulness? To most people, their first thought is sexual fidelity. However, there's much more to faithfulness than just sexual fidelity. In the personality assessment that I use, the flag page, people answer questions and in so doing choose five motivational traits out of a possible 56. These five motivational traits are the key to understanding just who they are and who God has made them to be. One of these traits is faithful. Faithful is considered the most powerful trait in the flag page. There are many deeply held and serious emotions attached to this trait. Because it is so powerful and there are so many emotions tied to this trait, if either or both of the people I'm working with have this trait in their flag, I give them an assignment. I ask them to think about what it means to them for their spouse to be faithful, and not just sexual fidelity. And this usually takes a little bit of time, sometimes several days. But once they've reflected on this and written it down, I ask them to share it with their spouse. Your spouse needs to know what it means to you for them to be faithful. Having to guess or find out by trial and error is not healthy for the relationship. Well, according to the parrots, faithfulness is a complex combination of interrelated dimensions, trust, commitment, truth, loyalty, value, and care. But our faithfulness to each other can only be sustained by God's model of faithfulness to us. When a man and a woman covenant with one another, God promises faithfulness to them, and that helps couples keep the faith. There is no way to overemphasize the centrality of faithfulness in God's character. It is woven into every part of the Bible, from Genesis, where God initiates his promise of faithfulness, through Revelation, where John's vision depicts a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. God's faithfulness is great. Even when we are faithless, God will remain faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, For he cannot disown himself. God's covenantal faithfulness, embodied in our partner, makes a home for our restless hearts. It accepts our whole soul by saying, I believe in you and commit myself to you through thick and thin. Without faithfulness and the trust it engenders, marriage would have no hope of enduring. For no couple can achieve deep confidence in the fidelity of themselves and each other until they first recognize God's faithfulness to them. Well, as we close today, I want to remind you again of the marriage seminar, Mums the Word, I'm doing on May 17th and 18th at the Cloverdale Church of God. The cost for this is only $25 per couple, and you can register at my website, mutualunderstanding.net. Click on the contact button, enter your name and email address, press submit, and then mail your check to Cloverdale Church of God, 3755 South Cloverdale Road, Boise, Idaho, 83709. 
The website also has an overview of the seminar, including what topics are covered in each session. The first session is Friday night, the 17th at 7 p.m. Saturday begins with a continental breakfast at 8.30, followed by the first of three additional teaching sessions at 9 a.m. We'll conclude by 12.30 p.m. It will be well worth your investment of time and money. Well, God bless you. Have a great weekend. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.